0: Here is Pastor Micaiah. Good morning and welcome. So good to see each and every one of you. I'm glad to be back for week number four in our series, Raising Home Run Kids. And we are going to be looking at the third base. And that has to do with this idea that we want to raise children that are competent, competent children. Children that they have not just a skill, but they look at life and you feel that they are prepared and ready for life. Now, when it came to raising kids, I knew everything there was to know about raising kids, and then I had them. Yeah. How many of you, you were like, yes, raising kids, or you were that type that you would see them uh, at the mall or at the store or back in the day where they used to have Toys R Us? You're like, look at those parents can't control their own kids, and then finally, you had some, and you were like, oh man, I should have been a whole lot more gracious to those parents trying to raise kids. Well, uh, when it came to having kids, Jane and I were uh, having a lot of discussions, like, Hey, when after we get married, are we going to start thinking about having kids? And so Jane and I like to talk about things and just kind of like strategize. And I was the type that I was from a big family, seven siblings. So I was like, I want to have kids. But my parents started early and I said, I don't want to be that person playing catch with my son and I've got my walker as I play catch with my son okay I said so I would prefer to start as soon as possible and so Jane and I we began discussing and so we discussed it in the back seat of our car about having kids and um you know uh just kidding anyway took y'all a minute see if you're awake on a Sunday morning And, uh, but when it comes to raising kids, have you noticed it is tough? It's hard because there are so many books, but no kid is the same. Every kid is different. Your kids are different. My kids are different. And it's amazing. You can go to a home and the parents will parent the kids all kind of similarly. And even though the parenting was similar, all the kids can turn out totally different. Totally different. Not... Not like, oh, one was bad and one was good, but they could just be very different. Why? Because parenting is different. And so we're trying to give a framework for how to raise children. How do we prepare them? And when it comes to giving us a framework, we've been looking at this idea of using a baseball diamond to raise our children. And when it comes to this diamond, we want to teach our children how to run the bases correctly. And so week number 1, we said we need to learn teach our kids how to connect with God. That's home plate. Connect with God. Second, we said we want to raise kids that have godly character. Today you can meet a lot of people who have lots of talent, lots of charisma, low character. But we didn't just stop there. Last week we heard a powerful message about community. And it's very important when it comes to this thing about community that we get our kids around the best community that we possibly can. And uh, there's a great sermon that you can, or a study that you could look at where the Bible says "And Amnon had a friend. And Amnon was David's son, And uh, or excuse me, that Amnon had a friend. That was David's son who did a terrible thing and his friend influenced him. So it's all about the community. And then this week, we are gonna look at how it, when it comes to this whole thing of raising competent children, competent children. That's what we want, competent kids. Kids that they know how to survive on their own. So we're given a framework, but this framework is tough because when it comes to parenting, It's like, how do you know what's the right way? How do you know that you're doing the very best or or, or setting your children up for success? And I finally realized something, that because children are different, that we need to think about, how am I going to parent this child? And I want to change our mindset. Instead of having a mindset that says, you know what, I'm just going to make our kids look like this, I want to change our paradigm on parenting. And I want us to think more about parenting like pioneering. You said, what do you mean pioneering? Think about it. There were people that they left the East Coast in the Midwest, and they went on a trip called the Oregon Trail. They didn't know what they were going to get when they left, but they were going somewhere, and they were going to discover a new land, new territories, new neighborhoods. They were pioneering. Think about astronauts. They're going to go pioneer into space. We're going to go in in the 60s. We're going to land on the moon. There are people that talk about medical pioneers where they're discovering cures and vaccines and they're, they're pioneering in a field. You can see all these different fields that we talk about pioneering. But yet when it comes to our children, we need to have a mentality of that of a pioneer. A pioneer doesn't know what he's going to get when he gets there. He just knows that I've got to discover something about our children. I've got to dive into it because when it comes to your children, their DNA is from you, but their design is from God. So even though they have your DNA, they have God's design. So God is the maker of our children. And so God has put within all of the children, grandchildren here, unique characteristics, unique traits. And it's up to the parents, the grandparents, or sometimes you're just the mentor that's going to help bring these things out of children. And what happens today is there's many times you're seeing a whole generation that's just raised off a TV, iPhones, the Internet, and nobody's pulling these things out of them. And so I want us to look at a passage of scripture in the book of Exodus, which turn to the book of Exodus, chapter number 2. And I love this passage for so many reasons, but as we dive into it, I think you're going to see what it means to discover great things in our children. The other part is also, if you want to look at the notes, they're on the phone, or you can take them right there in your seat. But let's go to Exodus, chapter number 2, and let's begin reading in verse number 1. Verse number 1 says this. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got him a basket made of papyrus and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it to, for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse it for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses because she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Can we go back to verse number two? The Bible says this that this couple had a baby, and I love what it says about this baby. They hid their baby because they said he was a special baby, that they saw something in their child. You say, yes, every parent thinks their child is special. I think that is true, but they saw more, and you can read Hebrews chapter number 11, the end, and it gives even more description about what they saw in Moses. But I want you to understand that when it comes to pioneering, parenting is like pioneering, that we have to see things in our children and our grandchildren, see people and see things in people that they don't necessarily see in themselves. You know, here at the church, we all read a book one time that worked together, and it's called Hero Maker. And it's a great little book, but I love the author had this great idea, and maybe some of you, you can remember when we've done this with you. In the book, it says take people out and have a conversation with people, and pull out a napkin, and on the napkin, just write four little words, four little letters, actually. And the first is the word I. Just write that down on a napkin. And then the next word is, or letter, excuse me, is the letter C. And then the next word is the letter N. And then the last letter is the letter U. And you look at the person and you show them the napkin and say, I see in you. And then you start listing off all their character traits. Everything that you see in that person. We do this for volunteers and staff. But do we ever do it for our children? Do we ever sit our children down and say, here's what I see in you? Do we ever sit our grandchildren down? Do we ever sit those people that are special and near and dear to us, and we sit them down and say, hey, I see in you. I see something there. And this isn't hype. This isn't just to prop them up. This is to say, no, no, I see God's hand is on your life. I see God wants to do something through you and we can speak prophetic words. But first of all, we've got to be like these two parents that said they saw something special in Moses and they were risking their lives as parents to protect Moses. And that's what a parent does. A parent says, hey, I'm willing to risk my life because I see something in this child. I see something special here. And as parents, we've got to get back to that. And this isn't, oh, my child is a snowflake. It does everything perfect. No, we're realists. We understand. But we're going to train up the children. We're going to teach them. We're going to train them. So we've got to be the ones to see it because the devil, he sees things in our ch- in children. There are other people that love to corrupt them. So we as the parents have to, first of all, discover, and this is seeing their value. Would you write that down? It's a discovery because that's what a pioneer does. He's going to discover something. Where do, when do you take time to just discover new things about your children? The other day, or actually yesterday, I just had some time. So I just sat on the couch and my four-year-old was just talking to me about Star Wars. Just tell me everything about Star Wars. And he's like, do you know Darth Vader and Darth Maul? They're both the same because they have Darth in their name. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah tell me more. And he's just talking and talking and talking and talking. And then you just start discovering things about him. And then at the end of the day, he closes his eyes. And then as he falls asleep, he said, best day ever. Yeah, you're just like, wow. Those are the moments parents live for. Those are the moments you're like, okay. I will not murder you in your sleep then, you know, after that, okay? That was too precious, you know? It's one of those moments, but we've got to, as parents, see that, but it takes time to discover. And when it's time to discover, that's going to take an investment. And rarely is it going to be convenient. It's not going to be convenient, but that's what we're called to, as parents, to discover things in their lives. So what do you see in your children, your grandchildren, your spiritual children? Most people, if we're honest, we see our faults, So we need somebody to show us our fruit. We all know our faults. But you need somebody in your life to say, hey, I see this in you. Because you and I, if we're honest, when we look in a mirror, what do we notice first? Oh, man, that scar, that blemish. We don't don't notice the the good characteristics, the good features. We don't notice those. So you need other people in your life that will speak things into you. And this goes Cross the board. This isn't just with parenting or being a grandparent. What do you notice about people? And that's a wonderful skill when an adult takes time to notice things about their children. A friend of mine, uh, a little bit older and has, has grandkids now, he said, hey, never compliment your children on their looks. He said, compliment them on their character traits, not their looks. Because then they pursue that, oh, it's all about my looks, all about my figure, it's all about that compliment on things that they can develop your looks you can only do so much with okay unless you're a kardashian and you got a lot of money then maybe you can fix a few things but for the most part most of us it's like we're gonna peak and it's gonna be downhill and it's gonna be all good but when it comes to our character traits we can keep developing those when it comes to things so compliment your children wow you did a great job you worked really hard and I can tell by your test grades that you work hard, and that's called diligence. That's called perseverance, and you are diligent. You are persevering. Oh, I saw you were kind. You were, share, you, you were sharing your lunch. Compliment on things that they'll do more of instead of things like, oh, man, you looked just beautiful. It's not wrong to compliment them on their looks, but if that's all you ever compliment them on, that's all they're going to live for. But we've got to show them other character traits. We've got to see other things inside of our children. And our children also are going to see their faults. They're also going to see their problems. They're not going to see their potential. They're going to see their brokenness and not the blessings around them. I love what Psalms 127 verse 3 says. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Notice two things. God says your children, your grandchildren are first of all a gift and a reward. Think about a gift. A gift is something you get free you didn't earn it that's a gift god says your children you didn't deserve them i gave them to you all life is precious in the eyes of god all life and god says it's a gift from me i understand they have our dna but god says ultimately comes from me so first of all god says children are a gift but then think about a reward is a reward something you get for free a reward is something you earn Isn't that amazing that God says your children are, first of all, a gift and a reward? What is scripture telling us there? God says, what I gave you is a gift. What you do with that gift will either become your reward. Think about that. How you raise your children is going to mean everything. Because one day, they're going to take care of you and I. And they're going to be like, payback. My son already is four years old, and today we're straightening up the pews, and he wanted my phone, and I wouldn't give him a phone. And he says, when I'm a parent, I'm going to have my own gaming phone. He doesn't think of phones for phone calls. He's like a gaming phone. That's all he knows the phone is good for. He's like, I'm going to have my own gaming phone. And that's the way they think, right? And why? Because we've got to teach them. We've got to help them. And our children are a gift, but they become a reward by how we train them up. And that's what that passage is about. But how many parents, I get it, we're busy, we're stressed out, we don't have enough time, money, or margin. And yet we've got to say, children are from God. So it's God's gift to me. And God is saying, this is a gift that I can give to myself that will be a blessing. And some of you, when I'm around your grandchildren, they're amazing. You can tell, or your children, they're amazing. And you worked hard to get it that way. That's ours. That's a lot of effort. And so we need to understand that this is from God. former President George H. Bush, who was a two-time vice president, CIA director, ambassador to China, a father to a two-term president, and a father to a governor of Florida, someone that once asked this man, "What is your greatest achievement?" Now, this is not about politics. I don't care which way you vote or which way you feel about him. What I'm saying is here's a guy who was a two-term vice president, a one-term president, who was also the father to a president. There's only one other man in history to have done that. And also his son was a governor. Here's this guy. They asked this man, highly successful person. They said, what is your greatest accomplishment? This is when he was later in life. And he said that my kids still like to come visit me. Think about that. That's what we are trying to raise, parents and grandparents. That is the reward, because there will come a day where your friends can't visit you. You say, well, I got technology, and I got my fake friends. <laughs> yeah. That, no, you want, you want somebody you can hug. You want somebody that will be there and watch movies with you and hang out and play board games and, and talk about nostalgic things. But understand, that takes intentionality. That takes saying, Lord, you gave me this gift. What am I doing with this gift? And if we would change how we view our children, their gift, that means we're going to have gratitude and we won't take them for granted. And all of a sudden, our children will pick up that my parents are grateful for me. Don't you think that will change the way they think and act towards you? I'm so excited to see little baby Goliath here. You know, we've been praying all week because he's been in the ICU all week with... uh, Breath issues, and all of a sudden he's here. That's a blessing. Yes. I love that. That's a miracle. But there's a lot of prayer effort, and there's parents, there's aunts and uncles and grandparents that are investing into that child. And so, yet, you and I, we have that same responsibility. And I know we got people here that want to have children or don't have children. There are spiritual children around you that you could say, Hey, look, I see in you, and I'm going to discover things. And all of a sudden, you will be the difference maker in somebody else's life and so we're called to discover and parenting is like pioneering so let's go on this journey and say you know it's not going to be easy it's going to be tough but i'm not going to give up so every child has value and it's the parent's job to pioneer to find ways to make it more valuable your children by the very reason of their existence are valuable all life whether they are autistic down syndrome asperger's on the spectrum not on the spectrum dropped on their head should have been dropped on their head whatever All children are valuable. We live in a culture that's changing that. Understand that. You live in a culture that is taking human life and saying it's not really from God. It was an accident. It was a mistake. It was done out of a a horrible crime that was committed. And so it's not and cut it off. As Christians, we understand that all life is from God. That's where it comes from. And so we protect and we value that life. And we will safeguard that because God says it's from me. Me. And so you and I have a great opportunity to see value in people, to see that God made them, and they're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, we have so many people today that they're looking for that good life. They're looking to, how can I make it? But that same passage is in Psalms 127, verse 3. It says, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. Verse number 2 says something really interesting. Could be your life verse, maybe. It says, It's futile for you to rise up early. You're like, Amen. Amen. Let's put church back to like 12 or 1. Like, I like that verse. It's futile to rise up early, to stay up late. You're like, oh, wait, no, I don't like that verse anymore. To eat the bread of painful labor. You're like, oh, I like the verse again. Yeah, 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 I don't want to do painful labor. And then he says, this is how he gives his beloved sleep. What is he saying? Some of you are spinning your wheels trying to find that good life. And then he takes it back to that good life is actually found at home. It's actually around your family and your children. He's saying, hey, everything you're doing, you're spinning your wheels at work, you're all frustrated, you're all tired, you're all anxious about everything. A wonderful testimony from uh, Rod Rodriguez. I was over at their house. He's recovering, looks amazing from heart surgery. Didn't know he walked like two miles to go to In-N-Out, you know, if he can't drive or something. I was like, that's what an In-N-Out burger will do. It'll motivate you or something. And he said something powerful. He said this, he said, in 2008, the market crashed. The business wasn't doing well. I was all stressed out, all stressed out. And probably his good wife, probably is the one that got him to think this Way, and said hey why are you stressing out God has it yeah. and he said it was the most amazing thing to just surrender it to God yeah. and he's saying hey look not that we didn't work hard but he said things started just happening that I couldn't control and he says I understand where the church is at but you just got to surrender this to God why are you afraid why are you fearful of this and you and I we've got to take that same mentality right now we are spinning our wheels trying to raise perfect children instead of saying wait a minute am I praying with my children are they seeing me walk with God are they seeing that we're just doing the very best we can and our children will pick up on that they know you're not perfect and if you and I would simply say, you know what? Mom and dad are doing the best we can. And we've got your college fund. We've got your retirement fund. And guess what? We've got your therapy fund. So you can tap into that as well, okay? Because we know we done messed you up. But that's okay. You're going to be all right. And that's what parents' jobs do. We are, are, are diving in and pioneering because our children are asking, what am I good at? Your children are asking that. They're asking, what am I good at? Why do you think they hop from different hobby to hobby to hobby to hobby? You just think, oh, they just, they just get bored too easy. No. They're trying to say, am I good at football? Am I good at basketball? Am I good at sewing? Am I good at cooking? Am I good at Legos and building? What am I good at? What am I good at? They're looking. And we just think they just want stuff and consume and consume. And there's a small part of that, but there's also another part that these young minds are trying to figure out, what am I going to do with my life? And it's up to the parent to say, wow. You really are good at that. You really are good at drawing. You really are good at cooking. You really are good at uh, decorating and doing these things. You're four years old, and my goodness, you painted our room. That's awesome, you know? And it, you just don't know where God is depositing. and your children are asking, what am I good at? You see, God made them, and so God knows. So what we as parents have to do is say, God, you made my child. You know what they're good at. Help me to discover it. Help me to find out what they're good at and help me to steer that. Help me to direct that. Also, children are asking, what am I not good at? And sadly, a lot of parents are not answering that question. You say, how do you know that? You ever watched American Idol? Yeah, yeah, oh, I know. Bless their heart, as you would say in the South. Mama done lied to you. You can't sing. You, you don't have the voice of an angel. And now you got millions of people who on live television are just, yeah, cringing. Be honest with your kids and say, yeah, no, you ain't good at that. That's okay. It just made it easier. You got less options. Let's take basketball off, football off, soccer off, anything that involves motor skills off. You're just not coordinated. None of it, all right? You got a sharp mind, though, all right? So we'll put that mind to work. Or you, you and I just have to have those conversations that we're just like, oh, they'll figure it out. Wait a minute, we're the parents. We're the one to help them. We're the one to instill in them these things. So first of all, discover. Secondly, distinguish. You say, what do you mean distinguish? Notice verse number three. The Bible says, but when she could no longer hide him. Let me ask you this question. When you were little... And you got money or you got candy, and you had other siblings around. What did you do with that money or candy? Did you do what I did? I hid it. You only hide things of value. They hid their child because their child had value. You and I are struggling today because we have lost the ability to distinguish what really has value and we can spend hours watching netflix we can spend hours wasting time and we no longer know how to distinguish that our children are an asset that they are the greatest gift god has ever given us and our children just sit there on the sidelines and we just let cocoa melon raise them i hate cocoa melon please make it stop watched my nephew yesterday and just Cocomelon songs running through my head it was like this is torture And so you and I, we could just do that. We could do that. And I know it's hard around here. We need two income earners. But at the same time, we have lost the ability to distinguish what has value. And because we've lost the ability to distinguish what has value, our children now have lost sight of where does self-worth come from. So what do they do? Where do they find their worth? In two places. Net worth. How much money can I acquire? Or work worth. And those are the ones that they're running to. And God says, your value is found in me. Colossians, and you are complete in me. That's where we need to find it. But yet our children, because we didn't know how to distinguish value. We didn't know to hide certain things. They just saw mom and dad work really hard. And is that a good thing? That's a great thing. I saw my dad work incredibly hard. I just never saw my dad I never saw him at a sports game. And so is that a fault on him? No. He just said, I'm working hard to provide for my family. Was that wrong? No, but he missed out on something else he can never get back. And so yet you and I, it's a tough thing, but we have to distinguish what has value. And it's a great conversation that only you can choose. I can't say what has value for you. You need to pay the mortgage. You need to pay bills. You shouldn't be the person that's always in debt. That's going to be a burden. That's going to just be soul crushing. But yet you do need to distinguish, do my children and grandchildren have value? My wife and I just made a rule, if family's in trouble, we just show up. We don't always have the most money, we don't always have the most uh, insight, but if we will just show up, we found that our presence is the greatest present in that situation. And just by showing up, and parent, grandparent, you don't have to know what to say, you don't know how, have to know how to fix it, but if you would show up in your kid's life, show up at their school, show up at their game, show up at their church, take them to church, if you would just show up, they're going to be like, mom and dad always showed up for me. They were always there. And they're going to remember that. And guess what, parents, grandparents? Our children are on purpose going to get themselves into trouble just to test if we will show up. You know why? Because they're saying, do I have any worth? And when mom and dad don't show up, you know what they assume? I have no value. So what do they do? They say, okay, I guess I will be the doctor. I guess I will be the lawyer, and I'll go make all the money. And hate my family. Because, look, I'm doing all this for you. I despise it, but I made money. Are you happy now? Have I pleased you? Have I done enough yet? Because they've lost sight of how to distinguish their value. And our value cannot be in our net worth or our work worth. Our self-worth has to be found in the Savior. That Jesus Christ, if he was willing to die for me, that is the ultimate expression that I have value. And the church has to encourage parents to come back to that. Show your children to say, hey, look, I'm so proud that you got into that school. I'm so proud that you have good grades. I'm so proud that you got an afternoon job. But guess what? You have value because God made you. And God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I love you. And there's nothing that you can do to separate me from that love. I love you. You have value. And I'm proud of that. And all of a sudden, they're doing these things, going into the college, getting the job out of a different spirit. It's not to prove anything to you any longer. It's out of a place of acceptance. It's out of, hey, this is out of my calling. They discovered this in me. they set me on this path, and that's why I'm here. So it can't be self-worth. You see, self-worth can always increase if it's based in healthy things. You see, new shoes, that's self-image. New clothes, self-image. New car, self-image. New house, self-image. New spouse, self-image. All of that is self-image. That's not self-worth. But today, culture has told you new shoes, new clothes, new car, new career, new job, new spouse, new boy, new girl. There you go. Self-worth. No. Self-image. And then, surprise, surprise. You all already knew that. You're smart people. You already knew this. But now we're seeing all the studies from Instagram saying how damaging it is to young girls to see all these airbrushed Photoshop pictures of other girls. And it's like we knew that that was going to cause a problem. And finally people are suing these people Saying you have Been the leading cause of suicide And anxiety and panic attacks And all of a sudden we're waking up to this But ultimately I can't blame Instagram we can't blame Facebook So don't blame Mark It's my fault And it's your fault by not saying hey your self image Is not going to be rooted in what you take a picture And you airbrush and what curves you've got It's not going to be that God says you are valuable God says you have worth Now let's discover and let's distinguish that. Let's set ourselves apart from something greater than that. And your self-worth can always grow. Your net worth, that's something that passes away. Your work worth, we should teach that, but distinguish these. And thirdly and finally, notice this. Verse number 10. This is probably the hardest part. It says, Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. You and I are honestly exactly like Jacobet. You say, why? Her baby was on loan just for a short time. And she had to give him back. Our children are only here for a moment. Several years ago, my wife did a Mother's Day message. She said, hey, the days are long. But the years are short. Children are just, oh, I got an 11-year-old. And I'm just like, shrink, be smaller. Why are you growing? Stop. And you just see kids as they get bigger. And you're just like, what's going on? And so we need to understand, we don't have a lot of time to develop them. And that's the third one. Discover, distinguish, and develop. We don't get a lot of time, parents. We don't. So we have to help our kids And we need to understand that our kids are on loan, and yet we have a society filled with high-talent, low-trained young people. High-talent, low-trained. And we wonder why we're seeing children make these mistakes. It's because they didn't have the training that you and I are responsible to give our children. And I get it. We were trying to pay the bills. We were trying to make sure we could take them on a nice vacation. We were trying to give them good experiences instead of focusing on being a good example. And I understand it. It's wonderful our kids to be able to look back on, man, we went to Disneyland. We did this. But hold on, parents. This is going to land heavier, but I'm going to ask God's grace to soften it. Some of you parents are paying for these expensive, lavish vacations, and you are becoming a martyr because you hate it. You're like, I can't believe I spent $10,000 to take you on that trip, and this is how you're going to act? This is what you're going to do? And you know what your kid's thinking? I just wanted you to come to my baseball game. I didn't want this cruise. I just wanted you to sit down let's go to a coffee shop. I just wanted you to kick the ball. Our kids don't, when you come home from work, our kids don't come up to you and say, wow, today was a stressful day. It's just been a hard day. Can we just talk about it? You know what our kids do? They don't say I've had a hard day, a stressful day. They see mom, they see dad, and they say, can we play? How else do you think they deal with their stress? You don't think your kids get stressed? You don't think they're dealing with the pressure? You don't think all this stuff is affecting them? It's easy to turn on cocomelon. I know people that like cocomelon. Edward. I love you, Edward. But when it comes to our children, we've got to stop saying, I can't believe I did all this. I paid for your private school. I did this and that. And your kids are like, that's not what I needed, though. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing all these things. And you just step back and say, wait a minute. Let me have a conversation with my children. And let me just see, what is God doing here? And let me develop them and stop being a martyr. And some of you may be like, you know What? I found out my kid didn't want to go to the cruise. They wanted us to buy a little REI tent and for 70 bucks go camping and eat hot dogs. Kane is infatuated with hot dogs. He's asking when we're doing the next barbecue so we can eat hot dogs. And I was like, hot dogs are cheap right now. We will get all the hot dogs you want. We will live off of hot dogs. Parents, I think we complicate it. And then I figured it out. I figured it out. You know why we do all this stuff? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? We do all these expensive things and it's not really about our kids. It's not really about our wife. It's going to get personal here. All right, everybody. Smile for the camera. This is going on the gram. I want everybody to be jealous of our family. That's from the devil. That is destroying families because our kids are people, not props. And our children are realizing, I'm mom and dad's prop? Yeah, go ahead and blast pornography. Blast that. Your children feel just as used and abused. They feel the exact same thing. And we're like, it's not hurting. It's not affecting them. It is. It is. Where did they learn that? Where did they learn that? I'm not blasting it. I'm just saying, who did you do it for? Now, some of you, you say, hey, Pastor, I'm going to unsubscribe from you because I see you judging me. And it's like, not that. Don't take that. I'm just saying we all are conscious of this fact that at the end of the day, we are projecting something. Instead of stepping back and saying, I have a little bit of time to develop them. And yes, I want to capture the memory. Yes, I want to save it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be perfect At the end of the day, it's going to be messy. But at the end of the day, we're getting family time. And family time can happen at Costco with samples. And we're on a budget. So let's go. Get you some samples. And then we'll eat a churro afterward. And we can have a great time. And so yet you and I have to come back and say, Lord, these children are on loan. Not only are they on loan, I just have a moment. Our children need to be prepared to leave. That same passage in Psalms 127 verse 4, it says, children like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So, so our children once youth. How well your child flies is based on how well they've been shaped. And that's training, development. And you say, I don't have kids. There is all kinds of people around here that would love for you to pour and invest into them. I have found that nobody turns me down when I'm like, hey, you want to grab breakfast? You want to grab coffee? Let's just talk. And I just start asking them questions. Tell them about your childhood. Tell me about how you came to faith. Just ask them questions. Learn about them. And nobody's like, oh man, this pastor's like, wants to know about my life. They're like, somebody's interested in me? Because I've noticed we live in a dearth where nobody can sit down and just said, hey, you have value. Let's have a conversation. I want to know about you. Tell me about you. And all of a sudden, their self-worth they're like wow I really am a child of God I do have some value and we can see things begin to change and then we need to teach our children how to love God it's interesting we started this series on home base connect them to our creator we went to Deuteronomy chapter number six And the whole passage was to love God first, to love Him with all your might, with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul. It was a powerful passage of Scripture. It's one we should all commit to memory. Deuteronomy 1, or Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 8. Powerful passage of Scripture. Let's bring this full circle. Do you know who wrote the book of Deuteronomy? It was a boy whose parents saw some value in him, who put him in a little basket and sent him down the river. Parents weren't sure what was going to happen. And that's every parent. When you send your kid to school for the first time, you're just like, send him to college. Some of you are at that age. What's going to happen? But Moses, years later, all kinds of mistakes, murdered a guy, all kinds of mistakes on the run. And God said, hey, let's bring this full circle And Moses, the guy who saw it modeled in his parents, said, hey, the most important thing is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Parents, we don't have a lot of time. There's a great little poem, and it's called, How Many, God? How Many? It says, how many nights do I have, God? How many more nights do I have to tuck each of my boys into bed with their teddy bears? How many more times do I have left, God? How many more times do I get to give hugs to my boys after I've tucked them in at night. How many more pushes, God? How many more pushes do I get to give my boys on the swing before they outgrow it? How many more days, God? How many more days of hot summer do I have left to run through the sprinklers with my boys? How many more tears, God? How many more tears of joy will I shed at the end of each day that my boys have grown through? How many times, God, How many times will I get to lift my boys onto my back and into bed once they've fallen out? How many more years, God? How many more years before they come lift me up? Time is a vapor. And your children could be two or they could be 20. You're still mom. You're still dad. Discover. Distinguish. And develop them. Can we stand? Heavenly Father, thank you so much thank you for the word, and there's not adequate time to pull out all the truth, but God, children are a gift from you, and so Father, would we once again see their value and allow our hearts to be filled with gratitude towards them, and maybe then we'll start to see a change in their lives. Father, forgive us for the moments where we've just been so focused on a a great family dinner that we could take a picture of instead of focusing on the fact that we're at a family dinner, let's talk. God, would you help us to remember that as a family, we worship the Lord, that we focus on how we can distinguish the things that have value from the things that don't. And so Father, we pray that you would help us to raise up a new generation, a new generation that isn't obsessed with posting the perfect image, one that finds their self-worth in you one that knows they have value because of you. You died on a cross for them. And so, Father, we pray, we beg you to help us to raise this generation. The enemy would love to, for us just to abandon them, but we will not abandon our children or our grandchildren. We will not abandon this generation. We will fight for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, parents and grandparents, I want to pray for you. Would there be any here this morning that just say, hey, pastor, just pray for me. I'm going through it with my children, my grandchildren. And I just want to lift you up in prayer. Is that you? Would you lift up your hand? Oh, God bless you. I see hands in the center section. God bless you. You may put your hands down. Hands in the left section, in the right. God bless you. You may put your hands down. Hands up all over. This message strikes a chord in all of us. Let me pray one more time for you. Father, there were burdens that were lifted. There are people that they feel a weight on them trying to raise this generation. It's tough. And so, Father, help us to think more like a pioneer and help us to embrace the challenges because there are Moseses in the basket. There are great men and women that if we would discover their value, we would distinguish it and develop it, we would see a different world. So, Father, help every grandparent, help every parent, help every potential parent and every spiritual parent in this place. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com dot com slash connect.